Are we going back to the moon? The short answer, absolutely. And it might be sooner than you think. Coming up on the next episode of Astro Chats. Welcome back to the second episode of Astro Chats. This time we'll be talking all about the moon. But let's jump right into it. In order to understand where we are today, let's take a quick look back at the original space race. In 1957, the Soviet Union put the very first satellite into orbit. This satellite was called Sputnik. Now imagine putting four toothpicks into a styrofoam ball. That's what Sputnik looked like. And depending on what frequency you were on, you could actually hear Sputnik beeping by. Here's an audio clip. This came as a shock to a lot of the Western world. In 1958, the following year, NASA, or the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, was founded. Over the next few years, NASA and the Soviet Union put a bunch of different satellites and probes into space. During this time, both a dog and even a chimpanzee made it into space. It was definitely an interesting time. In 1961, the Soviet Union launched the very first person into space. This man's name was Yuri Gagarin. He rode aboard the spaceship called Vostok 1. He spent around two hours in space before coming back down to Earth. The next month, astronaut Alan Shepard became the first American in space. This same year, U.S. President John F. Kennedy announced that the U.S. was going to put the first human on the moon. And that comes with that very famous speech. Uh, here it is right now. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. The next leg of the space race was on. Right around then, the Apollo program was created. With this program came the development of the largest, most powerful rocket of its time, the Saturn V. If it's a giant white and black rocket you're thinking of, you're right on the money. The Apollo program was the name of the missions that would eventually take humans to the moon. Each rocket, with or without humans, was given a specific number. Apollo 1, 2, 3, and so on. Seven years later, Apollo 8 became the first human mission to orbit around the moon and come back to Earth. Apollo 9 and 10 tested key functions of something called the lunar module. The word lunar is often used in place of the word moon, like in the phrases uh, lunar surface or lunar orbit. If you hear me talking about those things, we're still talking about the moon. Now, each Saturn V rocket had two types of spaceships in there. The crew module, the pointy part where the astronauts spent most of their time, and the lunar module, a specialized vehicle designed to take select astronauts to and from the surface of the moon. It looked like a giant ball of tinfoil. A legendary ball of tinfoil. Then came the big one. In 1969, Apollo 11 landed astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin on the surface of the moon. Now, the general area where they landed was called the Sea of Tranquility, and the actual site was called Tranquility Base, and the lunar module was called the Eagle, and that's why they say the Eagle has landed. Here's the clip. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's also where Neil Armstrong said those famous words. Here they are. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Now, special shout out to the third astronaut of Apollo 11, Mr. Michael Collins. He was in charge of flying the crew module, also known as the command module, around the moon while Neil and Buzz took the lunar module down to the surface. I feel like he doesn't get enough credit, so props to you, astronaut Collins. Then came Apollos 12 through 17. Apollo 13 marked the first explosion of a human spacecraft where everyone survived. Here's that famous clip. Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. This is Houston, say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. It was an incredible achievement of human teamwork and creativity, and also a really good movie with Tom Hanks. And Apollo 15 later on featured the first person to ever drive on the moon. 
The last human mission to the moon was in 1972, Apollo 17. In following years, relations between the U.S. and the USSR eased, and the first space race was pretty much over. The U.S. had accomplished its goal, and due to a multitude of financial and political factors, the Apollo program was retired. Ten years later came the shuttle program, which we touched on in episode one. So let's put this in perspective. The first space race and the Apollo program marked the first time in human history where we left this planet and explored another world. That's pretty extraordinary. As of 2020, the United States continues to be the only country to have successfully landed humans on the surface of the moon. So what's going on over there right now? Since the end of the Apollo program, over 20 non-human moon missions have taken place. These missions, conducted by various countries, including the US, carried many satellites and rovers into orbit around the moon and onto the lunar surface. So, after all this history, it's time to answer the question, when are we headed back to the moon? The answer? 2024. And every year afterwards. Congratulations, we just became part of another space exploration generation. Now, just as the first NASA moon initiative was called the Apollo program, the next leg of humankind's return to the moon has a name too. It's called the Artemis program. The Artemis program? Cool. Now, why is it called that? Well, space people have a tendency to name things after Greek mythology. Here's a crash course. Apollo is the Greek god of the sun. Artemis in Greek mythology is Apollo's twin sister, and happens to be the goddess of the moon. Okay, that makes sense. The fact that Artemis is Apollo's sister is also important. NASA's Artemis program will land the first woman on the moon, and it's about time. This is going to be historic. Wait, so there's an active moon program in development by NASA? A. Super cool. B. Why haven't I heard about this? Well, that's an interesting question. The program wasn't officially named Artemis until last year in 2019. However, elements that would become the Artemis program, like the crew module and the rocket that would take humans back to the moon, began development as early as 2005. Up to this date, there have been two standout elements of the Artemis program. The spacecraft, remember that tiny pointy part where the astronauts sit, and the rocket itself. Let's first talk about the spacecraft. The spacecraft is called Orion. This is one of the first things under development since 2005. Orion was one of the major parts of a couple of canceled space programs at NASA over the past few years, and while the programs themselves may have been canceled, NASA continued to work on their spacecraft. Once the Artemis program was officially named last year, and the landing date was moved up from 2028 to 2024, it was deemed appropriate by NASA to utilize the Orion spacecraft for Artemis missions. Like the crew module from the Apollo era, Orion looks like a pointy gray cone. It can hold up to six astronauts, but it's likely that Artemis missions will carry less people at a time. The Orion spacecraft is designed for space missions lasting up to 21 days. The rocket that will take the Orion spacecraft to the moon is called the Space Launch System, or SLS for short. It combines everything that NASA has learned to date, including elements of the Saturn V rocket from Apollo and the space shuttles. It even kind of looks like a combination of the two. It's super tall and pointy, like the Saturn V, but it's mainly orange and has smaller boosters on the side, like the space shuttle fuel tanks. Once operational, the SLS will be the most powerful rocket in the world. NASA calls it their first deep space rocket built for human space travel since the Saturn V. The SLS is also being designed to carry different cargo. Now, in the space world, rocket cargo is often referred to as a payload. Not only can the SLS carry humans on board Orion, it can also carry non-human payloads like satellites and robots. In the future, the SLS could carry things to Mars, Jupiter, or even Saturn. Let's talk about scale for a moment. The rockets that carry payloads to the International Space Station are super powerful. The distance from the surface of the Earth to the Moon is nearly 1,000 times farther than the distance between that to the space station. And that's just why we need really big rockets. So, what does the timeline look for all of this? The very first Artemis mission, Artemis 1, will launch this year. 
Now, Artemis 1 won't have any people on board, but it will be the first flight of the SLS rocket and the Orion spacecraft together. Next comes Artemis 2, expected to fly in 2022. Now, this mission will have people on it. Flights with people on board tend to be called crewed missions, so you might hear me start to use that more often. It's also a lot better than saying manned spaceflight. It's 2020, y'all. So, Artemis 2. It'll take crew around the moon, then back to Earth. Now, Artemis 3 is probably the one you've been waiting for. Artemis 3 is a crewed mission set for 2024 and plans to land people on the moon, including the first female astronaut. From there, NASA is planning more Artemis missions once a year after 2024. It'll be really interesting to see what those are all about. Now's a good time to talk about something called Gateway. Gateway is an upcoming space station around the moon. Wait, a space station around the moon? This keeps getting better. Now, Gateway isn't planned to be part of the initial Artemis missions, but it becomes really important past Artemis 3. One of the key functions of Gateway will be to test a new way to land on the moon. Back in the Apollo program, the lunar modules, the spaceships that took astronauts down to the surface of the moon, were pretty much discarded completely. Like we talked about in the last episode, the more of a spaceship you can reuse, the better. Gateway hopes to send multiple lunar modules to the station ahead of crewed missions. This process is called pre-staging. By pre-staging lunar modules at the Gateway space station, astronauts can arrive, take these lunar modules down to the surface, and return to Gateway for refurbishing. A real, functioning space dock around the moon. Yeah. Now, development of Gateway is already underway. The European Space Agency, the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, and other partners are working hard towards designing parts for Gateway. Commercial partners, like SpaceX, are also being looped in to help deliver parts of Gateway into orbit around the moon. Teamwork makes the dream work. Looking towards the future, NASA has some really cool things in the pipes for the Artemis program. On top of crewed missions, NASA is planning to send robots to the South Pole of the Moon over the next few years. The South Pole of the Moon is interesting, because in 2009, NASA discovered millions of tons of water in the form of ice in the deep shadowed craters of that part of the moon. <laughs> water on the moon. Yeah. Now, water is a huge asset for space exploration. If it can be purified, not only can astronauts drink it, but it can be used to create breathable oxygen and even rocket fuel. Once we get through the first set of Artemis missions, we could see the return of lunar rovers, a fancy word for moon cars, and even a permanent lunar base. So there you have it. Welcome to the Artemis generation. What a cool thing to say. Artemis marks the beginning of a triumphant return to human space exploration. Not just to the moon, but to Mars and beyond. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I can't wait to see what lies ahead in the future and the things we'll discover there. This has been Astro Chats, Episode 2, signing off.